Welcome to the Extras Podcast, where we respond to the questions you sent in during the Sunday Sermon. Hi, my name is Sophie and I will be the new host for the Extras Podcast. I think this is a great place to help us think deeper about what we hear on Sunday, to ask questions, to be intellectually curious, uh, and to stretch ourselves and keep coming back to the Bible to check that what we're hearing is true. This week is the second week in our series on the Lord's Prayer, and today I'll be sitting down with Pip to talk about the first request asked in the Lord's Prayer, that is, hallowed be your name. Let's jump in. Well, welcome Pip to the Extras podcast. Uh, For those of us who don't know who you are, who are you? Well, I'm your husband. Yes, you are. So uh, this is a little weird to do a podcast together, but hey, uh, first time for everything. We do like talking to each other. That's right. So So this this is good. This is good times. Um, Yes. So I am one of the new student ministers at St. Paul's um, and last week had the pleasure of talking, uh, giving a talk at um, early morning church as well as afternoon church on Hallowed Be Your Name. And so if you're at morning church and night church, uh, you would have heard Mike give a talk, but he's not here today. I'll I'll be fielding some questions. Yeah. So as you mentioned, uh, hallowed be your name. That's what we talked about. Just remind us, what does hallowed mean? Yeah. So um, hallowed is a word that not many of us use anymore. Um, Some synonyms would be uh, to honor to respect, to revere, to treat as holy, to treat as special. And so, yeah, when we pray, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, um, it's, it's saying, God, our Father in heaven, I pray that your name, your reputation would be treated as special, revered, that people would honor you, worship you, um, that I would treat you with reverence in my own life, that others would too. That's the sort of thing we're praying. Mm, I think that is actually connects very well into our first question, which is, are there other phrases we can use instead of hallowed? As you mentioned, there are some other words there, respect, um, honor, um, or even, I think that when we pray, it is important to use words that mean something to us. Just before the Lord's Prayer, there's a section about Uh, those who pray heaping up empty phrases and whilst the words that Jesus uses aren't empty maybe for us hallowed doesn't really seem like a word that we use or know what it means perhaps in our own prayers it is appropriate to use a different word yeah it's interesting so when Jesus says don't heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do they think they'll be heard for their many words when we get to hallowed be your name we might think hey isn't that an empty phrase what does that mean and so yeah some other phrases you know, I've just said some other phrases that could be helpful for you. Um, I think Peter Baker was talking about, you know, the Lord's Prayer is um, is something that we can build off in our own personal prayers. And so, hallowed be your mm. name. We might extend that to praying for our family. Pray that my family would honour you, would, res- would, would um, love you, adore you, worship you. I pray that our country would become a place where more and more people honor you and honor your name and know you and believe in you and trust you and pray for our world that the nations would come to honor you um it's that sort of thing that we're praying yeah. mm. thanks it's helpful maybe let's move to the practical then 
What are some practical ways that show we glorify Jesus when we tell others about the gospel? Yes, I think in Mike's sermon, he had this C.S. Lewis quote, um, which I think was really helpful, which which, um, the the sense of it was, as we um, praise, as we glorify, as we honour, it involves our enjoyment. And actually, as we enjoy something, we we also praise it and we honour it. And so... Um, I think in evangelism, as we're talking to people about God, as we're talking to people about Jesus, um, we don't need to tell them, hey, you know, this is bringing glory to God as I'm having this conversation with you. That's a bit weird. Um, The conversation, just having this conversation um, can bring God glory in your own heart, maybe even in their heart. you know, think of it like if I'm talking to my friend about how good my soccer team is, you know, Manchester United, the team that I go for, how well they played on the weekend, although they haven't been playing very well lately. Um, if I am talking to my friends and talking up the team, um, just by being enthusiastic about them and saying how good they are, that's bringing them glory in a sense. Um, and so when I talk to my friends and I say, um, and I'm talking about God and, you know, even my friends that aren't Christian that don't believe. And I'm saying, you know, God has, I believe, worked quite powerfully in my life and in the lives of others. And actually, I think God has revealed himself in the world through his word and even through, through creation. As I'm saying these things and I, as I'm enjoying God and, and um, showing people that, yeah, I enjoy God, uh, that is bringing glory to God as well. Mm. Yeah, the very act of sharing the gospel does glorify God and bring glory to his name. And I think, you know, perhaps thinking a bit further outside that, just the way that we engage with um, other people that in our lives, when if we joke about um, God or church or even other denominations or beliefs, um, that can communicate different things. Um, the way that we talk about church um, or serving with friends or family or work colleagues, that can communicate um, a lot of things. So it's worth reflecting on what do your comments, uh, jokes, ideas, um, attitudes, what are they actually communicating to those around you as well um, about how you respect God and honour God? Yeah, yeah. And so... It can be a tricky thing in evangelism because I think people really uh, appreciate self-deprecating humour. Yeah, yeah. And so sometimes I will, you know, sometimes we do laugh at ourselves as Christians and some of the things we do are kind of weird culturally. And that can be quite helpful to just admit that and get that out and and acknowledge that that's that's a reality. I I know that some of the things I believe and do each week are kind of strange to to you guys. That's, that's, um, I can laugh at myself for that. but we, yeah, we, we also want to be careful at the same time that we're not making a joke out of God and we're revering God in our conversations. Yeah. Which, which is not, uh, which is easier said than done. Yeah. 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 So it's something to, for us all to work at. Yeah. Um, there are obviously lots of people in our community, in our world, that really don't honor God. Um, someone has asked a question um, how do we engage or think about books such as The God Delusion by Richard Dawkins. Um, Yeah, and how should we think about people or engage with people who really have no respect or honour for God? 
Yeah, so Mike in his sermon mentioned Richard Dawkins, The God Delusion. And his, and his point there was it, it can be hard as Christians to hallow God's name or to even want to hallow God's name when we live in a culture in the world. Um, you know, talk about the world, the flesh, the devil. We live in a world that is often anti-God. And um, he used the example of Richard Dawkins, a famous atheist, or, or, or my label, one of the new atheists. Um, and so how do pastors, how do re- respond to... Um, Richard Dawkins among others I would say different pastors respond differently and so um, some might have little to no interest in their work and their writings and just ignore them Um, and others might take more of an interest so I can speak personally about myself that um, I'm quite interested in knowing about um, atheism and new atheism and what um, people like Richard Dawkins have to say. In the 2000s, I think a lot of people lost their faith or lost their religious faith um, after reading The God Delusion by Richard Dawkins or God is Not Great by Christopher Hitchens or reading books like The Moral Landscape or um, other books by Sam Harris. They're some of the names within the kind of popular atheist movement. I have friends um, who who lost their faith essentially, or, or who lost interest mm. in the things of God um, after reading those books. And I think those things were an accelerant in our, particularly in the West, in terms of people disengaging from um, religious practices as well as personal faith. So. How do I respond to that as someone who still believes, who's someone who is a Christian, having looked at those books and looked at those arguments? There's a few different things I'd say. Firstly, I'd say um, it's okay to, to be interested in their books and in them and wanting to understand where they're coming from and what they say. Um, I want to understand what they say, not just because of, of intellectual curiosity, but also because I want to know where a lot of my non-Christian friends are coming from uh, in their disbelief, if I want to, if I want them to understand where I'm coming from as a Christian, trying to explain faith, um, I should also seek to understand where they're coming from, from a posi- from their position of say disbelief and why they mm. don't believe that there is a God. Mm. I want to understand where they're coming from. Um, so there's an event, there's a missional evangelistic impulse there. The other response. I would caution against, um, you know, I, I think it's I think it's bad when people say, oh, they're just um, stupid, they're idiots for saying what they say. I would rec- I, I want to be a bit more gracious, and I actually want to pray for them. Um, we should be, yeah, confronted with someone like Richard Dawkins. We should pray, pray for him, pray for them. Um, because God can is powerful to change their hearts and minds as well, just as, as He's changed ours at some point. Um, and yeah, so to engage humbly with what they have to say. Um, and I guess the last thing I'd say is in doing that, to not be conformed to the pattern of this world. And so to stand firm in our faith, to mm. hold on to the promises that God has given us, to hold on to the testimony about. Jesus, the Messiah, that we have this reliable word given to us by prophets and apostles who have 
um, God has used to speak into our world, to hold on to that amidst the message of there is no God, God is not great. As Christians, we stand firm and we say, no, we have God's word. Um, we trust that God is great. We trust that God is there and he's there in the person of Jesus. Thanks, Pip. That's um, some really helpful input there. Uh, one last question to finish off the podcast. Um, where do the last parts of the Lord prayer come from? Uh, Matthew 6 finishes at, but deliver us from the evil one. Why was for the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Added to the Lord prayer, the Lord's prayer. Yes. So for the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. We, we often refer to that as the doxology, um, that sort of ending of the prayer and if you look in your, maybe you've got an NIV, if you look in your NIV, um, you'll see that it's, it's actually not there. Um, and so the question is, why do we say it? Why do we pray it? Um, so a few, a few reasons. Firstly, um, why is it not there? That's a question um, to do with what we might call, what, what we do call text criticism. Mm. And so... Um, in the earliest manuscripts that we have of the Gospels, um, this phrase is omitted. It's not there. Um, and yet, in some, er- not the earliest, but still in some early manuscripts, it is there. And so, um, in church history, it has been included in a lot of the, the liturgy of different churches, d- different traditions. And so, it's been said throughout history. And one of the really influential books that it was included in is the Book of Common Prayer, which um, I guess marked or characterised the um, English and American and Australian and the, the Western Church. Um, and so it's in there as well. And so I guess a question that we have to ask is, um, is it agreeable to Scripture? Does it, does it line up with the rest of the Lord's Prayer? And I would say absolutely, absolutely it does. Um, we pray for God's kingdom to come. We recognize that um, the glory is God's and hallowed be your name. We recognize um, that he is powerful as we pray. And so when we pray the kingdom, the power, the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. That's very agreeable to the rest of the Lord's Prayer. Um, and it's also agreeable to the rest of Scripture, where the kingdom, the glory, and the power are clearly God's now and forever. And so, um, yeah, it's to do with text criticism, it's to do with manuscript discovery and manuscript research, and it's to do with church history. Um, those things together explain why we, why we don't see it in our Bibles, or why it might be bracketed out in some editions. Um, and why some editions might still include it. Um, but I think it also explains why we can still say it with confidence, mm. knowing that, um, yeah, it is agreeable to Scripture. So just to summarise a bit uh, of what you've said, because of textual criticism, it's believed that this particular part of the Lord's Prayer was probably not original to the text, which is why it isn't included in our Bibles. However... Christians throughout the ages have been using it and found it helpful. They found it to agree with scripture, to agree with the Lord's Prayer. And so we can say it with confidence, as you were just saying. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so um, 
you know, there are other things that we say together, like the like the Apostles' Creed that isn't in Scripture, but it accords with Scripture so well that we can say with confidence, and Christians have said it with confidence through the centuries. And so the doxology, that last bit of the Lord's Prayer that we say together, um, I think fits in that category beautifully. Mm. Well, thanks, Pip. Thanks for helping us think through those questions that uh, were sent in, given some valuable insight today. And I uh, hope we see you again on the Extras podcast well, sometime. We'll see. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> it's been good. And what a great privilege to be able to dig into the Lord's Prayer and go through it slowly. Um, it's been such a good thing for my own soul. And I hope for you all listening along that you've um, gotten a lot out of this series so far as we tackle the Lord's Prayer together. Thanks, Pip. See ya. Thank you for listening in to the Extras podcast. Let me encourage you that if you've never asked a question before during the sermon, give it a go this week. Try and stretch your intellectual curiosity. Uh, Think, go back to the Bible, check what's true, and ask us a question for next week. Check in with you then. Bye.